May I speak in the name of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Trinity Sunday, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or as our recently departed canon pastor Mark often used to intone, lover, beloved, and love sharer. The Trinity is hard to understand. It's widely acknowledged that Trinity Sunday is the single hardest day on which to preach a sermon. Furthermore, it's our faith community's festival day. We are Trinity Cathedral. Additionally, it's often stated that Father's Day is a complicated Sunday on which to preach. And here I am, a priest postulant, getting ready to go to seminary, preaching on Trinity Sunday and Father's Day at the dean's request. So... Thanks for that, Troy. (laughs) Let me begin by wishing every father and father figure in the congregation today a very happy Father's Day. Father's Day is, admittedly, a day of complex emotion. For many, it is a joyful day of celebrating men who have nurtured and loved their children selflessly. For others, it may be a day fraught with emotional ambiguity as they seek to find meaning, perhaps having been abandoned by fathers, or on the other side of the coin, for fathers who were not allowed to be involved in their children's lives due to animosity or circumstance. For others still who have been unable to conceive children, it's a day of complicated emotion. And yet, today, our calendar has conspired with our liturgical calendar to drive us to consider fatherhood against the backdrop of Trinity Sunday, where we celebrate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Father in Heaven. Despite the complexity of emotion each of us may bear, I think it's important to note that the Trinity demonstrates what fatherhood should be. As stated before, the Father functions as the lover within the Trinity, not just of the other two persons, Son and Holy Spirit, but of the whole world, to whom he eventually sends his Son to offer us relationship with him in everlasting life. I suspect for God, fatherhood is not emotionally complicated. It is loving others selflessly and in a nurturing way. Fatherhood is, therefore, not necessarily a part of human maleness, but rather a function of deep masculinity that participates in the generosity of love given us through the Trinity by being present to those to whom we are called to nurture. Thank you to all the fathers here nurturing and teaching your children today, being present with them in this sacred space when you could be home breaking in your new electronics and tools and maybe enjoying the scent of that fresh soap on a rope. (laughs) All joking aside, being here is nurturing your children, and you are to be commended for it. Since the beginning of the church, we have struggled to understand the doctrine of the Trinity. Three distinct persons who share one being a Father, a Son, a Holy Spirit, sharing one distinct, unified stuffness. It's a hard thing to wrap your head around. 
In fact, it's so foreign to our post-enlightenment sensibilities that we largely ignore it. Oh, to be sure, we cross ourselves in the name of the one God who is three in one. But, in truth, in everyday speech, we combine the persons and tend just to speak of God. It's much more sanitary and clean that way. And as Episcopalians, we all know that cleanliness is godliness. Sometimes we make the mistake of partialism, where we compare the Holy Trinity to a diamond or a shamrock or an egg, and we say we're just looking at different facets of a single gem, protuberances on the leaf of a clover, shell, white, and yolk. Light plays off each facet of the gem so differently as to make us believe that they are different gems and different persons. Or we say that each person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is just an aspect of the being that is God. The problem with partialism is that personhood for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit collapses in it to the point that the persons of God simply become kabuki masks that are worn for a seemingly theatrical effect. When we do this, we negate the fact that the Trinity is indeed three persons in a community of love and being with one another. Or we make the mistake of modalism, where we assert that each person is just a mode or state of being we recognize. Water is often used as the metaphor here. It has three states, solid, ice, liquid, water, gas, steam. Again, personhood within the Trinity collapses here all because we are so desperate to categorize what is unexplainable. Indeed, explaining what the Trinity is, is hard. As a species, we are desperate to categorize the physical world around us. Each organism known to man gets a special label called its taxonomy. Domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Remember that from high school? Biology? As a species, we are members of the Eukarya domain, Animalia kingdom, Chordata phylum, Vertebrata subphylum, can't get too fine here, Mammalia class, Primate order, Hominidae family, Homo genus, Homo sapiens species. See? We really love specifics. Categorization. Try it today. But it's how we make sense of the world. Still, no one has come up with the solution for the Trinity because it's completely inconceivable for us. Yet I think there's a simple reason why not. The reason is that we are focusing on the wrong lesson in what God in the Trinity hopes to teach us. The point is not to understand who or what our Trinitarian God is. No. The point of the Holy Trinity is to understand what it is that God does. The point of the Trinity is that God is a community that loves so completely and selflessly that, out of that love, God extends outside of God's self and creates others, creates us, to love. In the beginning, we are told, the cosmos was a formless void over which the wind of God, the Ruach in Hebrew, which we translate as spirit, swept. Does that sound familiar? Should. 
This is the same wind we heard about sweeping over the apostles at Pentecost just last week. The Holy Spirit of God sweeping out into the void. Then, formlessness and waste are brought to order. Over several days, night is separated from day, earth from sky, water from earth, plants are created. Then the sun and the moon and the stars. Then sea life and birds, then terrestrial animals, and then finally, us. So God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And they, in turn, throughout generations, begat us. Only then, on the sixth day after our creation, so the great story tells us, does God finally see the culmination of the work of creation, seeing that is very good. Because we, creatures who can choose to love as God loves, now exist. Did you notice the other thing from the reading in Genesis? On every day except the sixth, God is referenced in the singular. On the sixth, when from the abundance of the love of the Trinity we are created, God speaks in the plural, us. Let us make humankind in our image. This is not the royal we. If so, it surely would have been used throughout. No, this is the first inkling to humanity that God, the God who is one in being, is in fact a community. That community we previously noted who loves so fully that the love overflows into our creation. So it's not about what the Trinity is. It's about what the Trinity does. The Trinity creates us and calls us into community in order to love one another and to love God. God is not a lonely God, but three persons loving one another in a community. We, being created in God's likeness, are also communal and seek to love and to be loved. We are called into the very act of God's love toward us by loving one another in turn as God loves us. This demands that we love outside of ourselves in relationship with God, embracing the world in which we live and loving every other human being in it. In his book, After Our Likeness, The Church as the Image of the Trinity, Yale professor of theology, Miroslav Wolf, puts it like this. Because the Christian God is not a lonely God, but rather a communion of three persons, Faith leads human beings into the divine communion. One cannot, however, have a self-enclosed communion with the triune God, a foursome, as it were. For the Christian God is not a private deity. Communion with this God is at once also communion with those others who have entrusted themselves in faith to the same God. Hence one and the same act of faith places a person into a new relationship both with God and with all others who stand in communion with God. And yet it cannot, it must not, simply end with the relationships we have with each other as believers. Our gospel reading today was the Great Commission. As believers, Jesus has commissioned us. He said to the eleven, and through them to us, that all authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. As members of Christ's body, the church, we are then called not only to be in relationship with one another, but also to seek to bring everyone else into relationship with us in Christ, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit is one. Our forebears in this faith community chose an incredibly ambitious name for us by invoking the triune Godhead. We bear the name of the community of love that is the Trinity. It's heady stuff, isn't it? The Trinity teaches us to love each other relationally, but relationship is about action, not just emotion. Love calls us to act in relationship to one another and in our larger Phoenix community and the entire world. In the beginning, a wind from God swept forth. And we are invited now to allow ourselves to be driven by that wind, the Holy Spirit, into the world to share with the others the good news of living in loving relationship with God and one another. Let us then accept the mantle of what it means to bear the name Trinity Cathedral as a faith community. Seriously consider how to extend an invitation to others to be known as we each are in the deep love of the Trinity. Invite others to come and join us at this table where we are about to break and share in the mystery of the bread and wine body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in communion with one another and in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.